I would like to welcome everyone to the Two Voices podcast. I am one of your hosts, James Edgar Sky, And I am Kim, your other host. And today we are discussing a topic that is interesting. One step forward and three steps back. And without further ado, I think, uh, James, you're going to elaborate to us and the listeners what exactly one step forward and three steps back three steps back is. Yeah, and I will do that with the first question. Why is it easier to help others with their problems when I struggle with my own issues? I can only speak from personal experience and observing all different kinds of personalities and preferences and really cultural upbringing. What the common factor I see, aside from ourselves, is having a lot of challenges to view ourselves objectively when we are helping other people with their problems it's much easier for us to not get emotionally attached to an idea an identity an outcome or even uh, some kind of a bias in our in our minds so there's less of a struggle which i feel a lot of us can relate to when we face Uh, look to tackle our own issues we uh, illusion ourselves that we we um, are okay that we can work through the issue but really we're in denial about feeling uncomfortable with our struggles and problems and once we can apply that with the same grace we give to other people outside of ourselves it becomes less of a struggle and more of something that you can actually enjoy Okay. James, how does one experience life when negative emotions seem to rule it? That is a good question and one that I will come from personal experience myself. Um, I wish there was a good or bad or right or wrong answer here, but as always, there's not. the best way to really experience life when negative emotions are ruling your life to me is to actually allow those negative emotions kind of in enough that you start to understand what they mean, not in an intellectual way, but why you're allowing the negative emotions to linger. Cause that's really what the question is asking. You know, when you're, when negative emotions are ruling your life, that means that they're lingering. So are you not saying something to somebody? Is something happening in your life that you are putting on hold? Procrastination is a big one that I have experienced myself when when negative emotions come up because I'm procrastinating, doing something, telling somebody something, um, experiencing life. I mean, that is in itself, something that can bring on negative emotions. And so really focus on what I've done is I focus on what is bothering me so much about these negative emotions and what can I do about them? Sometimes it's gonna happen where you can't do anything right at that moment. Okay, maybe you can let it go, 
for a little bit, write it down in a journal, maybe, you know, figure out a way to, you can come back to it at a later date. I know that's a little bit going against my idea of procrastination, but sometimes negative emotions are really powerful and they can ruin days, weeks, months. I've gone as much as years dwelling on so many negative emotions that it consumed me where I barely left the house. So I guess my point is, you know, how does one experience life? You just have to keep going. And sometimes that's enough, but eventually you're gonna have to make a choice and decide what you wanna do next and not linger on it too much because the longer negative emotions control, the longer it can take to get over it in the end. And again, this is my personal experience. Thanks for sharing it from your personal experience in the lens. So uh, another question, if the pain is there every day, how do you keep from struggling every day? I found several things to work for me. And again, this whole podcast is about what works for us individually and then also as a collective. So I'm, we're sharing ideas from our own personal experiences. Um, for me, music, when I pair it with creativity, is a way for me to keep from struggling. It doesn't always work. And sometimes writer's block happens or any type of creativity, you can get some blockage that happens. Um, you know, you can still struggle and the pain can still be there, but you can find ways to alleviate at least for a moment. Um, I know Kim has this thing where she does, uh, where she has me, where she had me focus on a spot on the wall and just focus on only that and clear your mind. You know, meditation is a great tool for people that are struggling with, you know, extreme pain. Um, I've used it throughout my entire time being bipolar, maybe even before it's effective. Um, maybe Kim can elaborate a little bit before we move on on that idea. Um, I suppose for me, I didn't, I didn't really learn about meditation until I started visiting churches, uh, spiritual organizations online and in person. But for a while, I want to say back in 2013, when I kind of came to realize that I felt really uncomfortable with myself and everything, everyone, um, anger was a primary emotion and anything could set it off. At the time I lived with pretty loud people. So instead of lashing out, which is what I wanted to do, <laughs> I got these soundproof earmuffs and I started putting them on every night. And it probably took me almost two hours to fall asleep because my mind was racing, the, had racing thoughts, anxiety, and I felt unhappy with the trajectory of everything in my life. I had nothing. I felt like I had nothing going for me, but the one thing that I was raised to consistently do is to sleep at a certain time. And tuning out sound was kind of my organic stumbling into meditation. Meditation, I feel if I can explain it in the simplest, like uh, gateway terms would be you tune out the senses 
So when I was suggesting to David how he, James, how he would feel about picking a spot on the wall, the goal wasn't necessarily to, you know, I know a lot of spiritual uh, gurus will encourage you to focus on the third eye. It really had nothing to do with that. It had some everything to do with concentrating one of your senses, which is vision, on one point. I found years later that racing thoughts and anxiety for me did tie to my senses, hearing, seeing. Seeing is a big one. So if you can control your senses and, and tune down input a little bit, it can help you be still, which is the essence of meditation, is to still the mind. And how does one still the mind? Still the senses. So you cut out a lot of input when you already have a lot inside. It only makes sense to struggle if you have so many things on your mind. So if you close your eyes, if you, like Dave, James you said he uses music. So that's a way of controlling one of your senses. You control what you hear when you play music and you can influence it can influence your emotions. Again, that's just kind of more of a mental matter. Um, I hope that answered your question. It did, and that's actually a really good explanation. Um, before we move on, just when I talk about creativity, I channel, for me, like Kim was talking about senses, I channel my energy that I'm feeling, the ne that negative, that, that pain, that struggle into my writing, and it helps so that's just something that, that works for me. Some people paint, some people draw, some people color, whatever. Find what works for you. And so I'm going to ask him the next question. And this one is a little personal to me. So I'm really curious as to her answer. What is it in my life that I am missing when therapy and psychotherapy, seeing a psychologist, is not working? See... <sighs> James and I talked about this before we recorded and the fascinating part of this question that I'd have to be very clear I'm coming from my own personal experience. I've never been to therapy or psychotherapy. So I can only say from that lens, that life experience of not having gone to a clinician, that what is missing I've heard this come up in so many disciplines. It's an interdisciplinary phenomena where a service, even if it's data supported, doesn't, it's not enough. It doesn't suffice to support someone to learn how to be human, to experience life without getting bogged down or mentally drained every day. So I feel like the piece that is missing, at least I can say for me, and possibly for you too, James, is that it's not the thing itself, therapy, psychotherapy, whether you do prescription um, medicine to help um, maintain biochemical balances in the body, is to understand that, sure, those things are there to help. They're not there as a solution. It's us that does the work. It's not the thing itself that does the work. 
we have to put in the work, even if the, the prescription does alter internally some chemical balances, we still have to be the ones to externalize change in our lives. So I can tell you when I felt depressed with racing, racing thoughts and feeling like, what's the point in trying to build relationships with people? I knew deep down that at the end of the day, Blaming would only get me so far and accusing something as not working definitely didn't get me very far. So I had to put in the work and try and try and try. And I feel like that is what is missing in uh, your life, my life, or maybe someone that can really resonate with what we're talking about in, the, in our two voices coming together and sharing how it really can feel like, even though you thought it was going to help, you know, I took a step forward. Well, I, it, I just got thrown three steps back. So why am I even trying to keep stepping forward? If even the people that say they're going to help me can't, well, I promise you those people definitely are doing the best they can within their own human confines and legal obligations to their licenses. They can do all they can and that's it. You have to do the rest. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. I mean, there's a there's that line that you know everything can align. You go, you, therapy can be good, and psychotherapy, seeing a psychiatrist, getting medications, will work. But that's only, as Kim said, part of the equation, and you have to be willing to take that step. Um, I have been on both sides of it, not living and living life. So um, I'll just kind of end that there um, with the last question. So one step forward, three steps back. That's the topic. What can I do next? Uh, what can you do next? One of the words that really stands out to, to in this episode and seems to keep coming up in all of them, really, that James and I are really trying to push home for all of you those of you that feel stuck and like, what's the point anymore is choice. You may not. And like James said, this episode, you may not be able to change anything now, like nothing. You, you may feel like you can't do anything about something now. Feel that way and carve out a millimeter even. And I, and for our viewers that aren't in listeners that aren't in the United States, whatever metric unit, that's not something we use. <laughs> I think millimeter is good. <laughs> um, just carve out some shred of space in your life to, to create some kind of a choice. Even if it's one thousandth of a step forward, it's still a step forward in whatever direction you want it to be or that it seems to need to be in. Um, and honestly, a lot of the choices we make typically are made for us when we don't take charge. And those choices that end up unraveling after that really ought to have been things we made for ourselves and we're just pushed in that direction. So whatever direction we end up walking or being urged to walk probably is something we could have and should have done on our own.
I don't know about you, James. Well, maybe I know a little bit or with viewers too. We have to come to a fork in the road where we realize that the way we feel is a result of the choices we've made. Even if those choices aren't, you know, big life decisions like getting a license or moving out, I'm talking about choices in your head. However you feel, the choices you're making, and maybe that's where James and I haven't been clear. I feel like when we do talk off the off the um, recording and on recording, the choices are mental, like making mental choices in your head. And then committing to a choice, that's what you can do next is, you know, it's a roulette, fine, take a, take a, take your pick, put your hand on the roulette and stop it randomly. And that's what you commit to. Sometimes when you have racing thoughts, that can be your savior, just picking a choice and committing to it. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you know, I, I also want to add that, you know, it's okay to take three steps back. I think we're sometimes we're a little bit too hard on ourselves when we take that step forward and we feel like on top of the world feeling and then we take three steps back. We start to feel anxiety, pain, depression, and it just feels like we're, we're getting pulled back even further than where we were when we started. And that just happens in life. But just continue to, to keep taking those steps even if they're small ones, as Kim said, that you'd be surprised how much the smaller steps actually make at the end of the day. It's just uh, evidence to the fact James and I could have not made this podcast and just sat and kept these conversations to ourselves, which I would be remiss to remind all of our viewers and listeners, please come forward and contribute to. We're not just going to be two people. And it is not just about James and I. The whole reason we came on here and intention is to encourage you all, even if it's a really small step, we do believe that talking about what you view as your problem can really help you feel in charge of your life and to complement therapy, to complement psychotherapy to complement having a support system at home. When you open up, it gives you the opportunity to integrate back into what you would like to be in a, in, a, in a healthy mental state of mind. And if you're in war, in a vacuum, no one can help you, not even you. So come on, join us, contribute, which means to come and speak and share and Generate questions if that's how you would like to contribute. Um, donate to the channel so we can provide, help build a place where we can share these resources, disseminate resources. And one of the tools that James and I offer too is, and can really encourage people to look into and we can help you find those resources is coaching resources. Um, not necessarily through any particular area. We just work with you to find that step forward. And that's just one of the resources that some of the money will go towards. And of course, the podcast. Well, I can't think of a better way to end this episode. So 
I just want to thank everybody for listening. My name is James. And my name is Kim. And I thank you so much for listening. My name is Kim. And I am James. And today we are discussing what is Two Voices Podcast. And what Two Voices Podcast isn't. So I'll start us off. Two Voices Podcast is not a support group. It isn't therapy. It is not a group of mental health counselors. We are not health and wellness consultants. And we are not emotional support. And for me, to the Two Voices podcast is about starting conversations. As it takes at least two voices to communicate how we are feeling in the moment, how feeling alone feels, and how to stay accountable to our mental health. This is about collaboration with you alongside us and others with a shared common goal of changing the negative perceptions we have of being alone. It begins with listening. The first time James and I met was actually through WordPress and I couldn't help but to appreciate the authenticity that shined through when James would talk about how it felt when he was alone and I could relate so much and here we are we really feel drawn to take up the mantle and and provide a a, a actual virtual space for people that feel alone to also be vulnerable enough to say hey this is this is it is okay to not be okay and what can I do more of and then together we just decided to come together collaboratively give our two voices so that the others in the mental illness community even those that are listening that are not really in the mental health community maybe you know someone maybe you're dealing with mental health issues but you just don't know what it means this is a place to really talk discuss and collaborate with one another you'll see within the next podcast episodes what we're going to start growing together what our voices together will be and absolutely I come from the end of not being diagnosed and for a while I was in denial about it and here I met James and I really co-sign what he's saying about the whole collaborative approach to mental health. There really is no right or wrong answer when it comes to mental health and I feel if enough voices collaborate and rally, it will be so much more 
productive of a space in the mental health community. Instead of just having conversations about our mental health, we're actually doing something about it together, independently, without needing a clear, concise, step-by-step process. And for me, it really is about using my anecdotal evidence. What that means is my own personal experiences with living with bipolar one disorder, social anxiety, panic disorder, really having a mental health diagnosis, living with a mental illness diagnosis. And perhaps I can start begin to share what it's like or what it's been for me to be alone. And that's really the main goal is being alone is so common in mental health and mental illness. Negative thoughts come into our minds and there is a way to change it to positive thinking. There absolutely is. And in our first podcast episode, the two voices will really begin with James and I asking each other questions. Questions that I feel a lot of us have on our mind to want to ask each other, but we're maybe apprehensive to do so. And we really appreciate you all coming to this podcast, searching for a place to actually accept who you are, be courageous enough to explore what that means, and to take a, take a step to explore what am I what, what do I want to do with that information so with that having been said you feeling ready for the first podcast episode James? I am and I want to welcome everybody to two voices